Hi and welcome to the podcast Invest in You. My name is Fredrik Sandvall and today we've got another person from the team as well, Piotr, who's been helping and connecting us to the great guest whose name is Carl Hutchkins. Carl has been a footballer in the Premier League with around 350 appearances and he's also since then done a massive career change since he retired from football when he was like 29 and he went into property and he's got a company called Elite Property Trading where he's the CEO he's helping many people to invest not only his own funds but also other people and uh, of course I'm just guessing some other footballers to get a better safer retirement after they finish their professional careers so Carl is really great to have on board because we share the interest of sports, we share the interest of helping others, we both like to invest and Piotr was also on board on this recording which was actually done in October 2018. So that's five months later that we actually broadcast this episode. So without further ado, it's my great pleasure to say let's jump straight in. So the whole podcast is around helping others to understand how you do business. And uh, in all simplicity, it's really just very informal. Uh, so, yeah. Okay. Any questions before we kick off? No, go for it. Go for it. <laughs> let's, let's do it. So, yeah. Uh, Carl, who are you? So, uh, my name's Carl Hutchings. Um, who am I? That's a really interesting question. Um, I am... Uh, a family man, um, uh, entrepreneur, great, and someone who believes in um, achieving their, their goals and dreams. Perfect, perfect. Yeah. So, family man, expand. So, basically, I've got. Uh, I've been with my wife now for. Well, we met when we were first twelve. Yeah. Um, back in school, so I've been with her or known her now for over thirty years. Um, we've been together for nearly twenty-two years. Yeah. Um, I've got two children. Um, who are 17 and and uh, 15, soon going to be 18 and, and, yeah. and 16. So, Perfect. Yeah. Yeah, so, sounds similar. You are a few years ahead in terms of the, the kids, so mine are, at the moment, they are 12 or 14, but yeah. Yeah, so you know what it's like to yeah, uh, exactly. the next teenagers. Next, <laughs> next generation, you never know, but uh, the very least we can do is try to inspire them. That's I'm it. sure you must have done a lot of that over the years. That's been my goal. I think ever since having children, one of my goals is the reason why I still do the things that I do today is yep. really to show my children that, you know, anything's possible. You've got to keep working no matter what happens, you know, keep keep striving for your goals and your dreams. Yeah. Have you had anyone to inspire in terms of like you taking a quite different angle from, from the early years of your career? Um, I think most of my inspiration has always come from very early on in my in my life, sort of like, you know, looking at what other people have achieved. Um, I've always been very ambitious, you know, yep. my family have always said I'm crazy, which is a good thing I think nowadays, yep. <laughs> um, you know, um, so I've always kind of like looked at things and one of my motivations has always been, you know, to do the things that other people say can't be done, Yeah, you know, so if I see someone else doing it and I like that idea, I'm like, okay, that's what I want to go to that level next, I want to go to that level, so I'm just trying to climb the ladder bit yep. by bit to take me up to, to different levels. They compete with yourself or others? No, I only compete with myself. I mean, I, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer that working with others is is, is a great thing. Yep. It's only going to expand you. Um, you know, there's so much plenty in the world for everyone yep. to get, yep. you know, to everyone to uh, to go around. So I'm just competing to be the best me. 
Perfect. Yeah. So we'll we'll go back in the history and dig out some great learnings from the work of football, also tapping into your your experience from from the international f- football field. So yeah, um, if you can like in just a few sentences summarize like many years of football, what what's the highlights? Um, okay, so 13 years as a professional footballer, I would say the one highlight that stands out is walking out um, walking out of Wembley. Yep. You know, when I, I played in the playoff finals for Brentford. Um, you know, that was an amazing feeling. We didn't win, but I still get goosebumps with the back of my neck when um, when I think about that time, you know, just walking down that town, all the crowd. Yeah. Um, that was that was fantastic. Um, leaving Brentford, going to Bristol City, that was quite a major thing because I'd been born and raised in London my whole life. Yeah. And um, although Bristol was only two hours down the motorway, I was leaving all my friends, all my family, and I just felt like, you know, I was just uh, oh, I was getting torn away from the world, you know, like yeah. getting on a plane and going to Mars. Um, I quickly realised Bristol was only an hour and 45 minutes ago when driving fast down the M4. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm very soon going to ask you about the absolutely low point as well, just to give really huge perspective. Uh, any, any kind of like football questions before we dive there? Football questions? Yeah. yeah. So you, you mentioned Wembley. When when did that happen? How uh, so Wembley, I, f- I believe, God, year I think was around ninety eight, something like that, nineteen ninety eight. So I was probably I was probably about nineteen, um, yeah, about nineteen yeah. I think, and um, that was in the playoff finals um, for two years on the trot. We got to sort of like at one point we was first in the league. Um, we dropped to second in the last month of the of of, of the. Uh, league and it was the only time ever it was in the Premier League was being introduced at after yep. 92, 93 it was the only time ever that only one team got promoted so we then finished in second place and went um, uh, went into the playoffs so yeah yeah. Um, how have you seen the transition from football into, into business? Um, well that's a really good question I think there's so many attributes as a young professional sports athlete that when you get to business, you know, you can cross them over, you know, and, yes. and, and, and the, most business people that I meet, you see those same attributes within, you know, top level business people. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah, so I asked about like the high point, what's the rock bottom that you can recall from like the football career point of view, really? So, I mean, I suppose if I go right back to as a kid, yeah, that's fine. one of the things that... Um, sticks out in my memory most is sort of like being released from Chelsea because Chelsea was my boyhood club. I'd been there since I was 11 years old. I was a full boy. I'd been there for five years. I'd captained the team, captain the youth team going through. I was playing up high. So, you know, I, I expected that I was going to ha- go on and have um, at least a beginning of a career at Chelsea. All of my mates around there, you know, were playing in, in, in and around the youth team. And I'd been built up to sort of like believe in my own head that, yeah, yes. you know, you're definitely going to get a contract. And then all of a sudden, one day I get called into the office and I get released oh, or told yeah. that I'm not going to get that, that, that contract that I wanted. As, as this was at 15, 16. Yeah. Um, so that's probably definitely a low point. It definitely sort of like rocked me. Like, you know, at that point, I didn't know where um, the future lied. I'd only ever been at Chelsea. Um, that, was, that was all I knew. So that was definitely a low point. Um, at the same time, you know, winning at Wembley, or, or sorry, playing at Wembley yes. was the high point. Losing at Wembley was also one of my low points. Because at oh, the same right. time, I remember yeah. walking out of that tunnel, the hair standing up on the back of my neck, thinking, yes, you know, this is a boyhood dream. This yes. is something I've dreamed of, watching the FA Cup final. At the same time, lying when the referee finally blew after 90 minutes, just lying down on the floor and feeling tears coming down yeah. my eyes, knowing that my dream of playing at that 
you know, that top level had, had just gone through through my hands. Yeah, yeah, I remember my absolutely first uh, game. We were in um, a bit tough competition. So I was in year one and we were playing against a team that were year six in school. Right. Uh, and they were also from a much more professional club than ours. And we were beaten 21-0. Right. Complete, <laughs> complete humiliation. Yeah. I can uh, <laughs> see what you mean, yeah. Uh, you have also had a, a proper go at football as well. Yeah, well which, you is, with with, uh, which is Carl. also why we connect so yeah. well, because I, I like very much the fact that you do have that background in football, which is uh, the reason, one of the reasons also why uh, I admire what you've done going from football to then business property uh, is because I was aiming to become a professional as well so I did quite quite well as a, as a kid so won different awards in, in Poland and then moved even to kind of trying my, my luck with Barcelona but yep. things happen in life so I very much admire the kind of transition you've had from football with everything that happened and then going into, into property and business that's yeah. quite cool. Yeah. I did a strange career where I was working with special forces and, and, and the military. And while I was doing that, I started to do business. Did you do something similar like football and business or did you do a uh, clean cut? No, clean cut. Um, I'd always loved business. So even as a kid, I always say, you know, I had a, I had a sandwich business where I had my mum and my auntie kind of like making sandwiches and going out and selling sandwiches and stuff yep. like that as a 12, 13 year old. So business for me had always been something I loved, but I think it was more through the necessity of just trying to make money. You know, back then I'm, I was very driven by, you know, I want to I want to have money in my pocket. Um, so one of the things that I probably would have liked to have done, would have liked to have done and maybe may still do in the future is actually study business on a deeper level. You yeah. know, I study business now through um, through learning on podcasts and, and um, YouTube videos and going to live events and hiring mentors and stuff like that. I'd still think I'd like to study business, maybe even on a deeper level from an academic point of view. Yeah. You know, I don't know why. Maybe it might come to nothing, but I think there may be something in it. Yeah. So you, you uh, say so already mentioned. I have got one podcast with my two sons, which is called Invest uh, in You, and we interview lots of business leaders. This is a brand new podcast, and tomorrow we'll actually meet up with with a peer group of, of other fellow podcasters, and I think it's like sixty of us. Uh, and, also really young industry. So just like the business, it's, it's young, it's still up for grabs in the UK. Uh, the US is way more advanced. So yeah, you mentioned you like podcast. Which are your like top one, two, three? Um, I like Rob Moore's podcast. Like it. Yeah, 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 cool. yeah. That's who we'll meet tomorrow. Okay, yeah. For me, <laughs> I think Rob, Rob at the moment, he kind of like got into the, got, got, got in there really early. Yes. And, um, you know, really grown and shone, shone, shone what he does. And I think he's, he's, like yep. he's really at the top of the list at the moment, um, certainly for business. Um, Nicole Bremner, uh, yep. from a property side of things, you know, she's really trying to uh, push push that side of things now as well. And I'm really, obviously, she gets lots of good, uh, good interesting guests as well. Yes. So they're the two that I'd, I'd definitely look into. Um, Grant Cardone on a, on a, on a um, kind of business YouTube um, right, great. Yeah. I like yeah. it. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I flew over last year to um, uh, to Las Vegas to go and see him at the uh, uh, Grove Conference. So he's one of my 
my guys in business that are kind of like, I like his attitude. That's, that's really funny because uh, I was sharing stage with Grant Cardone uh, not too many months ago now, yeah. and uh, he has also been on the other podcast, so oh, you're, right, you're in great company. Oh, uh, Nicole is coming to this podcast really soon, right. and I'm sure Rob Moore as well in due time. So you're, you're in great company yeah, with yeah. people that you, that you uh, learn from as well. So yeah, that's exactly. awesome. Perfect. Uh, right. So in terms of investments and so on, what, what, what do you do from like a business point of view? What would be so, like? bit, so business wise, over the last 10 years, I would say 12 years since I've kind of like been full time in business, m- my model has mostly been development. So, uh, buy, whether it be old houses, um, old buildings, knock them down or just refurbish um, to quite a high standard. You know, maybe if it's just a one house, then we might it might hit the market around two million. Um, normally in the sort of like southwest London, Surrey commuter belts. Yes. Um, that's been my, my area for um, as long as I can remember. Yep. Over the last probably two or three years, things have started to change. I've just obviously moving with the market. You've got to be like water and flow with, with, with what happens. So... For the first time, so about three years ago now, probably two, you know, two and a half years ago, I kind of looked at the market for what I'm doing isn't sustainable. The, the the market's just not there. Yep. So we're starting to move across. I wanted a much more higher cash flow sort of business. Um, so I started actually looking into different businesses, how businesses work um, from a cash flow point of view. Um, and I really like the kind of hotel space. So we're just in the middle of acquiring two hotels now. And that, I think, going forward is something that I really want to develop. Yes, yes. That means you, you develop it and you enhance it and then give it to an operator or? Well, the goal is, yeah, so definitely pick them up, yep. run down below market value, um, definitely enhance it because that's kind of like our skill with yeah. property developers yeah, anyway. Yeah. Now, I've, I've got a partner who has um, been doing service accommodation for a long time. We've got a brand that we really like and we want to roll it out. To start with, we were looking at 10 hotels. We want to roll that brand out with that 10 and then have a look and and see what the marketplace is is saying. Yeah. I've got one person I really like to have on on the podcast. Uh, he uh, used to have more than 100 hotels wow. in the Nordics. Okay. And he asked basically, oh, I haven't enough of this. Just give it to his kids. Yeah. Like, can run run with it. Right. Uh, I'm sure we'll bounce back with something else, a new hat in due time. So, yeah. yeah. You sound like sort of yeah. guy I need to, yeah. I need no, to learn from. No, but it's, it's, it's really good because sometimes you're building really for yourself, sometimes you're building for, for, for the family, and, um, and you mentioned also business partner as well, so that's really valuable. Yeah. Um, how do you usually work with others? So do you have like uh, investors or do you work more as, as partnerships? So, again, in the past, um, on our developments, it's always been invested. We've got two ways, basically. One is yes. investors, so you can you can just do a direct investment, a loan note, yep. guaranteed return on investment, Good. whatever that, you know, whether that's 8%, 10%, 6%, you know, whatever that deal is. And then the other side of things, we do do equity partners as yes. well. So in the past, you know, you could invest and actually take shareholdings within the companies buying the, um, buying the asset. Yeah. So either way, you know, we're flexible. Normally, we would only look at equity partners if they're investing a much more larger sum of money. Yeah. No, we've got a very similar setup as well. We, we also work on a very similar basis. So, yeah, that makes sense. All right. Um, going forward, how can people help you so again uh, broad uh, audience what are you looking for how can people 
So I suppose going forward, um, we want to build out our brand very quickly. You yep. know, it's, it's it's one of the things, you know, being first to market sometimes is is, is, is the key. Yes. They're the, studying the market and seeing what's going on, there's um, a co-working space kind of revolution that's, that's going off at the moment. Indeed. And part of our brand incorporates that as well. So really from uh, from working with others' point of view, it's really about people believing and buying into what we're trying to achieve with regards to the space, the hotel yes. space that we're trying to achieve and really wanting to get involved from an investment point of view, you know, whether that's, again, through a loan note um, or whether that's just through coming along and saying, you know, we're interested in this, how can we yes. get involved? All right, sounds good, yeah. Any, any other questions that pops up? As we go along, so what's uh, yes? So I have a question actually when it comes uh, to you raising your funds from uh, investors. What uh, what do you prefer as a vehicle to raise funds? Uh, do you use any platforms? Do you use any uh, either crowdfunding or do yeah? You so previously, yeah, previously, depending on the individuals, you know, if they're if they're kind of like um, large kind of wealthy, sophisticated individuals and, you know, we let them choose however they want to invoke. They've normally got their solicitor team around them that will invest their money how, you know, yep. in the structure that they need to. Um, previous to that, what I've done in the past was um, set up SPVs for individuals so they can literally just buy into that S SPV. Now, obviously, that's a little bit of a grey area now because of the um, collective investment. So yes. what we've now started moving over to now is using... Um, or this is going to be the first time actually we're going to be using a crowdfunding platform and that's with um, Rob who you guys know as well yeah yeah so we're going to be, we're going to be working with him and um, you know this will be our first experience yeah yeah it's, it's a very very small world yeah I'm, I'm on, on the board in, in that business as oh, well. right, okay. I'm, I'm investing in the actual platform as well oh, and really? I also will most likely use them one of the next few days as well so, right. yeah. oh, excellent. It is a very small world sometimes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just, just good fun. Right, um, okay, moving on from like where we are right now, looking into the future, if people would try to like find deals for yourself, what would like an ideal deal look like, and, and would you even be interested if someone handing you um, opportunities? My... my process on this has kind of changed slightly over the last sort of like two years prior yep. I used to find all my own deals yes. you know I used to go out I, I, I'd, I'd kind of take the view that I've been in the market so long whatever contacts are out there in my space you know they always call me if, something, if, if something's wrong now I'm a bit more open-minded because obviously from a leverage point of view you know I'm a bit more lazier now <laughs> it takes me a lot to get out of the house now yep. um, you know a little bit more comfortable which is a bad thing I'm always telling people to get uncomfortable you know um, yep. so now yes I'm open to people sort of like talking about deals but previously again I only want to deal with individual professionals because when you say to someone oh yeah so I, you know I'm a sourcer I'm a property sourcer the amount of you know, how they deliver that property is nowhere near the standard that I would expect it from a property sourcing yep. point of view yeah, it's really just about working with the right individuals and how do you deliver how would you deliver a property to me, you know, or this is how I want it to deliver. These are my spreadsheets, these are the yes. you know, don't bother me unless it fits this kind of criteria. Yeah, no, you know? we we had a yes sharing idea here in terms of I used to have a problem with with that right level of sources. We set up like a sourcing club in the geographical area where I was taking people who were less advanced and then basically taught them like the 
how to do sourcing slightly more professional. Yeah. And even like, okay, so if you like to have this training, I would much like to have first refusal on whatever you come up with. And this is roughly how we like to have it present. So we can just compare and assess. Uh, yeah, I found it very useful. Uh, but unfortunately, the time go by and then didn't deliver as much as I was uh, anticipated. But I found that as an approach useful because if, if you can educate and help the sources to understand what you want, then the easier. But yeah, uh, I, yes, like yourself, most of the deals have been direct to to the vendor or yeah, to yeah. agents and making the deal better. Yeah, off, offline yeah. Uh, without even, even with out. these um, hotels. You know, we decided, I decided on the area, you know, we've been looking at the area for a long time, doing a bit of due diligence, just went down there yes. and um, just went knocking on doors, you know, and by the end of the day, I had two, two propositions, yeah. you know, two opportunities. Yeah. Can you, are, are you using like speed and certainty as, as elements to, to secure a deal or do you look more like, more like the, the grind in long term or? No, I like to go in, if I'm going to secure something, I like to try and get it done. Yeah. Um, obviously that's based on investment. Yes, so, indeed. you know, I will say to the uh, vendor as much as possible, these are our kind of, uh, you know, we want to get this done in this kind of time frame. Obviously, for that, it will reflect in the price and, and, and stuff. Um, but again, we can move as fast or as slow with the uh, vendor as long as the property is the right deal. Indeed. You know, yeah. so, um, but I like to try and get things just tied up, get it done and, and you know, move on with business. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Uh, have you worked with any, like, uh, normal agents who... Got deals through agents as well, commercial yeah. agents? Um, normal, I mean, most of my stuff has always been residential up yep. to this point. So, um, you know, I would say 70% of my deals have come through agents. Yep. You know, I like to, just because if I do go out, I go down and hassle them in their offices, sit down, put my feet up on their desks and, yep. and drink coffee all day in, in, in their place. So I've got a great relationship with a lot of agents over the years just because I've always worked in a small patch, yes. you know, so they've always known me um, in that area. Yeah, and also, we also, especially when we started off also in residential space, the same 67% of the deals were, were through, through agents, really. Yeah. Uh, because that's where the, the most of the stock is. But yeah, that's it. most of them won't be right because they just look for the highest price, really. Yeah, I think, although a lot of my deals come through my, the agents, they're kind of like my bread and butter deals. You know, the best deals are obviously direct to vendor when you get that yep. phone call that, oh, my friend's in yeah. this position and you know, can you help him that's the greatest one that's where my eyes light up you know yeah. um, but um, otherwise you know the bread and butter deals just come through agents yeah. do you like negotiating? I love negotiating that's <laughs> my favourite part of doing the um, doing the deal just getting it to a win-win situation you know yeah. um, I'm a big believer that as a property investor my you know my main goal is to be solution orientated yes so really just to see how can I help or can I help you get to a solution that you want that also works for me and my business, you know? And then just working through that over and over again until we can meet somewhere that yeah. works for both. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. All right. So, right. So you now got the deal. Everything is fine. You've secured it. Happy days. Uh, now, now what? Do you have like a designated team or... Or ad hoc? Um, no, we have. I have for a long time. I had um, a couple of building teams. Yeah. Right. So they, um, some, one of them, one of the teams were kind of like subcontracted, but we kept them working most of the time. So most of their work was done through us. Yes. And um, the other team, we had a couple of guys, like main tradesmen, tradesmen that we kind of like employed direct. Um, so basically, once we brought on that team, 
Uh, we'll have architects. I've got, again, I haven't got, an, I've got an architect that's works with us. I don't employ him directly, but yes. um, you know, he's our kind of like main architect. So they would have been working on, um, and again, this is something that might help some of the guys listening is when you're taking it on, if we're taking it on, but we want to do uh, back extensions, loft extensions Indeed. and stuff like that, then again, we make the vendor aware, look, you know, this is probably like three months down the line to purchase or maybe four months, but yep. we're putting this planning in now. You know, so the minute we take that property, get the keys, we want to be able to start work yeah. literally the next day. Yeah. Um, yeah. How many ways to secure it in terms of like, make sure that they don't give it to someone else in that process? Um, I mean, yeah, we could put them under under, under, yeah. under contract or whatever. Most of the time, once it goes, you know, we get the paperwork over to our, our solicitor um, as yes. quickly as possible. I think once, if it's a normal vendor, once they're yeah. in that process and obviously we're working with the agent, then it's normally off the market. Um, yeah, but if it's if it's something a little bit more speculative, then yeah, we we, we may put them on a contract, right. um, like a lockout agreement or something. Yeah, yeah. Was it, I find it interesting here was if you do a property deal in Scotland or in Sweden, where I'm from, then if you say I will buy this one, you are legally obliged to actually buy it as well. So you can't really pull out. Yeah. Uh, have you found that tricky here that either being gazoomed or people just disappearing from deals? Um, I mean, getting gazumped obviously at, at yeah, stages, it yeah, it definitely yeah. at it stages in the market. Certainly in London over the last sort of like you know ten years, you know there've been stages where you, you know I've turned up to viewings and the agent said, "Come and have a look at this viewing." You know, I'll get you in the door, and then before I know it, there's twenty people queuing up to go in there. Yeah. I'm like, "Why did you even call me?" Yes. Because there's no way that I can buy that property because the price that I want isn't gonna, you know, all these guys are gonna. So I just turn away, turn turn around and walk away. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that's just all part of it, getting gazumped and, and people disappearing. It hasn't happened to me, you know, that much. Um, I'm normally able to get the vendor into a position to say, look, you know, if you're gonna do this, let's do it. There's just no messing about. Yeah. You know, let's let's close this deal. Let, let's let's pull in some secret agent uh, learners as well. Uh, you you've been working in the industry, so yeah. some some ideas around how does an agent think when you come to a stage like it's agreed? What yeah. what happens? So so from from an agent's perspective, I think it comes down to how re- reliable a buyer is. So for example, uh, you you mentioned that you got relationships in the area. Uh, that you've been quite quite long uh, in that area, so uh, I, I would imagine that you already have agents. They obviously know you quite well. They know know that if you commit to a deal, you you will make it through. Uh, so how 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 do you go about uh, developing those relationships? And yeah, that's that's a good question. I think I always say um, the key thing is the word relationship. You know, it is a relationship, and sometimes yep. it's going to take time. I always say that people sometimes that I work with and I train myself. Um, you know, I say I've got a relationship with this agent for ten years. I've had this relationship, so you can't just come and expect to walk into that office and say, "I'm a property investor. Can you give me a deal?" <laughs> and all of a sudden, you're going to start getting deals. Yep. It's a period of time that you have to keep going back and going back and going back and taking biscuits and taking yes. cakes and do whatever. But you've got to show up day in, day out. And only then does the relationship then start to work. And then it may you may be lucky that on one of those days that you've been going in, like every other day or you know, every other week, and just on that day that you walk in, that deal might have hit that agent's um, desk. And yep. then he knows that you're serious. Yeah. You know? So 
building relationships is key. How do you do it? Just keep turning up. Just keep showing up. That's, yeah. that's the main thing. Until the agent says, I haven't got anything. Get out. I'll call you when it comes in. <laughs> then you know that you're, at a, you're, 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 you're nearly there. You so, so it's a num- numbers game as well? Um, number, numbers in terms of showing up. Showing. Yep. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Good numbers point. in terms of showing up. Right. Yeah, no, I can just uh, say the same thing as well. Especially when you're at the stage where you can basically get the agents to call you because they know what you want uh, and you can have very much a f- first glance on, on things as well. So, yeah, interesting. All right, great. Uh, now you kind of like, you found it, you bought it, you now fixed it. Like towards the end of it, do you work with some kind of elements of, of recycling the money or... So, so like refinance out yeah, some of the so, investors. So most of the time, if we're on our de- if we're doing it with developers, um, a lot of the time what we're trying to do is just put it back on the market. Yep. Um, normally, sort of like through the same agent that we bought it with. That's one of the kind of like you know key um, areas of, of with the agents. Good. So they give it to us. They get another another sale back. Um, so that for our flip model is what we would do on other stuff. Um, that I like that I think mm, I like that you know I don't really want to sell that I'd yes. like to keep that for, for the company purposes then we will look at the numbers and try and refinance out if we can get all the investors out with their um, with their profit and we can keep that property there then that's great you know then that goes into the uh, bank of the company and it's okay yes. you know that, that's an extra property for the company um, which you know over the years we've been able to do a number of times and when you talk to people about building property portfolios without any money um, I always say someone's got to put the money in, you know, they're, 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 yeah. but you can build a, a portfolio using other people's money whilst other people are still benefiting because mm-hmm. they're still getting a great return on their on, on their investment. Yeah, and no, I was trying to explain this to a number of, of quite sophisticated people, but still, when you think about the, the returns that some people expect, and then you look, I mean, in terms of investors, and then look upon the actual real deals, and see that if you apply that return for the duration of the project, for the build, it doesn't actually work. So there's so many different expectations in terms of how much people would like to have. We met up someone recently, they want to have like 20%, someone else like to have like 5%. So I would say we normally work with like 6 to 8%. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's... Is a really good return compared to the bank yeah, giving course. nothing, yeah. uh, and also means it's sensible mm-hmm. uh, because if you overpromise, there's a high likelihood of actually not achieving. Yeah, exactly. And, yeah. and in, in the beginning of my, um, you know, when you're when you're first starting out and you, you're excited and you get that first deal and you yeah. go promising the world, and I've learned very quickly that you know there was times when I'd be like, yeah, don't worry, you're going to make twenty five percent, and you give someone back twenty two percent, and you're saying so. 22% inside 12 months, what a great deal. And it's like, no, you said it was going to be 25. Yeah. <laughs> and you're looking at yourself in the mirror again, is this guy crazy? You know, yeah. I'd say, he just got 22% back on his money. So I learned very quickly early on, okay, let's under-deliver over prom- or <laughs> uh, uh, un- un- under-promise over-deliver. Oh, it is, yeah. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so now I come right back down, yeah, you're lucky to make 5%, you know, yeah. and then all of a sudden they get 15% and they're like, ooh, that's amazing, you know? Yeah. So. Well, that, that, that's much better. Yeah. yeah. Because in the end of the day, I mean, you spoke about in terms of negotiation, like the win-win approach. I like to have fair price for the developer, and the same also for the investor as well. Of course, if you are some somewhere in the middle, uh, also something for you as well. So yeah, that that completely makes sense. Okay, um, 
I mean, that's uh, a good question actually. When it comes to raising funds uh, so far for you, have you got any, uh, let's say, good, bad stories around that? Around raising funds? Yeah, what, what's been the biggest learning for you since you actually started raising capital? Um, I think I've been pretty lucky because a lot of the people that I've raised funds with yeah. um, have been people that I've known or have known me um, over the years. So they've kind of like watched me from a distance and yeah. then, and then, you know, I had a close group of people that I would raise funds with, we'd do a project, give the money back and then the next project comes and put the money in. Then all of a sudden that close circle of, of friends or group um, then spread a little bit wider from people that were watching from the outside and then all of a sudden it was like, oh Cole, you know that next development, you know, is it all right if I give you some money? No so sense. it's kind of grown um, organically yeah. in that sense. Now, um, any, any, you, you do get one or two issues where, you know, people promise, yeah, I want, I definitely want to put this much in. And you're like, you sure that much? Yeah. And you do all your numbers, everything based on you've got everybody in the deal. And then all of a sudden, boom, one drops out, you know, and, um, uh, that can happen. And it's very frustrating when that does happen. Indeed. Um, but, and then it's just a case of, okay, fine. We just have to then go out there and, uh, you know, call everyone up that we know, sit down, have one-on-one -on -one meetings. And, uh, yes. and, and and present to it. <laughs> not 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 too rarely. I often like double or triple book in terms of the money that needs to be raised mm -hmm. because just unfortunately you know that people do fall out in the last second yeah. for whatever reasons. Uh, and then in the end of the day, also letting people know, management expectation, letting them know that okay, we've now agreed. If you do uh, all of these things, you you're very much in the first seat to get a part of this this profit. But if you don't kind of like tick the boxes or, or, or fall behind, I will allow other people to to benefit instead of you. Yeah. Uh, do you also try to manage expectations in a similar way? Or um, because you said sometimes people fall off. Yeah, and you, you fix it, 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 it and yeah, lost. yeah, it hasn't happened yes. um, that much. But when it does, Good. it's kind of uh, I haven't actually over oversubscribed it, which yes. is a learning, you know. So now you know, going forward, I probably will. Normally I'll get it to the same point because I know that these guys have always delivered. Um, but, and and then at the same time, I don't want to annoy someone if all of a sudden you've got more than you need and you're giving yes. money back. Because yes. that's as, an, as someone who wants to collect money and you've got to give it back. It's like, yeah. oh my God, you know. So, um, but that's that's something that I'll take away from today and, and yeah. definitely well, I mean, do in the future. Same also with, with uh, using a platform as well. Same thing there. Yeah. Uh, some people have look like a firm, firm like cutoff point. Or sometimes you have like it's acceptable to overfund it. Yeah. Uh, an element because it means you might not have to draw down as much of, for example, development finance. Yeah. Uh, I think definitely going into the crowdfund now, I will sell that at like you know in as much as possible. So I'll oversell it until the point yes. where you know the, the guys in the crowdfund are telling me don't. <laughs> tell anyone else about it you know? because, I want yes. to think, because as well because it's you're, you're kind of selling smaller parts as well so you don't know what someone's actually putting in you know, someone might say I'll put in 50 grand they might only put in 20 yes. grand so you just want to keep pushing and pushing and pushing until it's, until it's done yeah. and it's, I think working with the crowdfund for me it would be a little bit more of a disconnect because whereas previously I've had a lot of uh, investors who have reinvested, reinvested. I know them, they're personal friends and stuff like that. Whereas now I think it'd be more of a disconnect. It'd be like, go I, and do I, it now. I think you can still have very much a, a blend because if you've got like a following, you've got your own crowd yeah. and then you've got like the platform's crowd and they, they, they blend a bit. Uh, 
so yeah, absolutely. Your your following, how much people like you, uh, your yeah, sing but like a big megaphone. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how far can you reach uh, your personal brand, your business brand, and, and the, the future brand that's in the making as well? All of those things will just add up together with the platform's brand and then the, the, the reach of the platform. So yeah, all of those things works really great together. And once that is, is crystallized and you can start to do like repeat this. So, I mean, you mentioned, for example, uh, Nicole has also been using crowdfunding successfully and the social aspect of things. Uh, do you use, I mean, we are connected on LinkedIn, etc. Do you use social media at all for what, for business purposes? Yeah, so basically with social media, it's something that um, since kind of following Grant Cardone, you know, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and, and being dialed and tuned into him every day, um, <laughs> it's something that, I realize you've got to get out there. You've got to start pushing, you know, because it's all, it is all about attention in this day and age as well, Indeed. where, you, you know, you can be your own TV show. You can be your own radio station. Everything is possible now just from your mobile or from your laptop. Yep. So for me now, you know, growing my social media is very important to me. Um, you know, uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, just, just pushing them out. It's just great. I mean, you're using uh, yes, podcasting is another really good like leverage thing. So once uh, a podcast uh, picks you up for one or the other reason, and then just they leverage you, you leverage them, and all of a sudden you're both kind of like promoting the show, and all of a sudden you get like much bigger reach. So yeah, yeah. interesting. So yeah, so I like the sound of that, uh, and also I like that you keep. Chipping away in terms of learning, like tapping into a Grand Cardone and everyone else. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. really great. I love, I love um, uh, learning and, and I'm a big believer that we kind of, everything we know is inside us. We've kind of experienced everything over over years, but it's little things that trigger those those things that are already in, in our mind and, yeah. and hearing it in a different way and thinking, oh man, I knew that five years ago. But I've never heard it like that, you know, or, or I used to drive harder than this, you know, and then Grant Cardone was sending me, like, you should go harder. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, I should have been doing this. I was yeah. working harder five years ago, you yeah, know. Yeah. So just keep listening to the, to, to the right people, just trying to keep elevating. Perfect. Have you had any, because many things you share with, with us uh, is so similar to many other things I'm, I'm also teaching as well. Have you had a, like, formal or informal program training or coach or mentor or anything like that so far? Um, Self-taught. Um, most of my stuff is all self-taught. Although I do go out and seek out, um, you know, people like Grant Cardone, people like um, Andy Harrington back in the old days, sort yes. of like from from a from a uh, positive kind of uh, uh, mental kind of side of things. Um, and then it's really working with really good people in the industry. You know, sitting down, having regular meetings with people like Nicole Bremner, um, connecting with at networking events you know, sitting down, having coffees with people who are doing big things, exchanging ideas. Great. Um, that's where I'm getting most of my learning from, I, I would say. Perfect, perfect. All right, so yeah, thinking about, like, almost time to con- conclude, this is a great conversation. You shared so much gold stuff straight from, from like, uh, how you do things, uh, and that's why it's so valuable for other people to just listen in, because you have not been holding back so thank you for being my pleasure su- super open and transparent so if people are looking to connect with you online yeah uh, or offline what's absolutely the best way to, um, to reach so, you so linkedin you can yep. get direct to me on linkedin under of uh, carl hutchins um instagram um at carl hutchins and facebook as well 
Actors. Cool. All right. So for people listening in and people that actually can take some notes, uh, how do you spell that? Okay. So it's, it's uh, Carl with a C. So that's C-A-R-L Hutchings, H-U-T-C-H-I-N-G-S. That's absolutely great. So now we've got multiple ways how you can uh, get hold of Carl, how he can follow his work, uh, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, I'm really keen to see when you go absolutely all out in terms of pushing your brand. Yeah, uh, it's going to be... It's, it's, I look forward to that. It's, it's going to be good. We're pushing a little bit at the moment, but nothing yes, like what it's going to be. Just let us know. <laughs> let us know when it's time yeah. so we can help you out. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for having me. Perfect. All right. Excellent. So, yeah, until next time. Okay. Cheers. Perfect.